0: that's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news.
2: Hello, it is Angie and friends. Love that my uh, show over the years has transitioned to the good news with Angie and friends because that's what it's all about. Uh, Christians, you know, moms, dads, uh, speakers, authors, radio hosts coming together and uh, just trying to talk about life. And hopefully you listening see that, you know what, we're just like you in many cases. And uh, Leslie and Doug Gustafson are back and they Mm -hmm. are our counselors. And uh, joining us as well is one of my regulars on my news program daybreak usa dave perkins who's a radio man of over three decades and he is down in the heart of texas in the houston area and had some very interesting things to convey to me this morning about what's going on down there with the flooding welcome dave
3: Hello there. Glad to help. How are you?
2: I'm doing quite well. I just want to listen to um, a couple of short things here to kind of set the tone for Texas. Um, I want to hear okay. from, the, uh, uh, from a reporter there because I have been in situations where I felt a little afraid out in the field or afraid for others. And in this case, uh, this young woman is trying to help rescue a truck driver.
0: A reporter with our Houston CBS affiliate KHOU may have saved a truck driver's lives this morning, and it played out on live TV. Reporter Brandy Smith noticed a driver trapped as his tractor trailer was being swallowed by floodwaters. Just then, a Harris County Sheriff's deputy drove by towing an airboat, and not a moment too soon.
1: Here we go. We have a boat coming. We have a boat coming. I- I'm going to the- flag these guys down and see Hold on just a second. Are you guys, are you guys headed down to the truck right here? There's a truck driver stuck here in about 10 feet of water. Thank you. Okay. These guys have a boat, We've got the Harris County Sheriff water rescue teams, an airboat here. Hopefully we can get down to this guy. Here we go, the airboat for the Harris County Sheriff's Office now approaching the semi that has been stalled here, uh, headed east or headed westbound in the eastbound lanes. Uh, I don't have any word on, on how long he's been there or what kind of condition he's in. I'm sure he's very, very wet, very cold. I feel like I can finally breathe, kind of a sigh of relief.
0: The truck driver named Robert is okay. And as this played out, KHOU had to evacuate his studios because floodwaters were pouring in. The station is broadcasting again now from higher ground.
2: Interestingly enough, our Denver affiliate here is uh, a broadcasting for Houston, Dave Perkins, again, if you're just joining us. And Dave, um, so that's one of your local reporters, and I remember just reporting at times when I was scared as well or scared for my crews when I would send them out. But you said something interesting this morning that Um, I want to get into more specifics of what you're seeing, but you said this is putting Charlottesville and all of that news on the back burner. Explain.
3: Well, I want to put it in perspective. For weeks, all the country could talk about was literally a few hundred fringe, dope, crazy people, black-jawed, sloped-shouldered, inbred, greasy knuckleheads who came deliberately to get on television and started throwing punches at each other, ironically. Two groups of white people throwing punches at each other. It's called a race riot in the country, days. I do I quite understand that. But all we can talk about is how, oh, woe is us. The country is going off the cliff. You know, we can't get along anymore. The deep divisions and blah, blah, blah. And now here we are in Houston. And what we are watching is literally thousands of people doing everything they can do to help each other. And there's not a soul here who gives up blast about what color anybody is, how much money they have, where they live. They are going, and they're bringing boats. We have a Cajun Navy deployed from Louisiana that came over on ten with all their uh, 16-foot green aluminum John boats for duck hunting, and they're out here people hunting instead trying to save people and take care of them. Instead of, you know, 500 quench fists extended toward each other in Charlottesville, we have thousands upon thousands of open hands extended toward each other here in Houston. First life, then health, then dignity, and then, of course, always protection of the weak. All the good things about human beings that have been good since the dawn of humanity are good again and in the spotlight here in Houston, and it makes those people from Charlottesville look so bad and comparison so superficial, so self-focused, so furious about getting on television and trying to make a name for themselves it's it's embarrassing to them, and they disappear, and rightfully so, and the good of the country comes out under stress. We ask ourselves, why does God visit such terror and suffering and misery on this country and on this planet? And the reason, I believe, is pretty simple. It's to get good people to bring the goodness up out of themselves and manifest it and change their life, whether you're helping or you're being helped. You're having your life changed here under the pressure Of incredible flooding in Houston and the hands are open they're reaching out the hands that grab each other don't care what color what social group what political party they don't ask they don't want to know It's help and love and lift people up here in Houston and that rightfully embarrasses the folks of Charlottesville and I hope it always does
2: so Dave no one's going from door to door knocking saying is anyone in there unless you're a Democrat we're not getting you if you're a Democrat is anyone here if it's a Republican or Libertarian Anyone here? No, they're not doing that.
3: There's nobody on a boat with his hand reached out. Saying, I'm not pulling you in the boat until you tell me who you voted for. <laughs> that, is,
4: that is not happening. No. Oh,
2: I love the idea of um, Americans coming together as Americans. This is when we see that we are one, and that we can make uh, you know the world proud of who we are, and be proud of who we are as the world watches us together. Uh, Leslie and Doug, what is it about us as people that makes us do what Dave says is happening down there in Texas, where you know people are not only on their like jet skis and their boats, and he's, he mentioned. People people coming in from other areas and uh, nonprofits sending trucks full of food from their own uh, food, you know, pantries that, you know, they need for their own yes. neighborhoods. Yes. Mm-hmm. But also I saw a picture of a, uh, a, you know, a paddleboarder in his uh, outfit rescuing a little boy, you know, getting on a paddleboard and going out and doing this.
5: Yes. And I think it's so leveling, isn't it? And everybody just is humbled and just kind of enraptured by, oh my goodness, there's a crisis at hand here. And you don't think about anything but just taking care of what's before you. And that's beautiful. Everybody's out of their head and into their heart and reaching out and just doing what they need to do almost spontaneously in the crisis.
3: We
0: live in such a me generation. It's nice, nice to see contexts like this where people can be you, you, you and dispense of their own rights and not be fighting for who they are, but really trying to reach out. And it just shows us that there's a an altruistic part in people's hearts and lives. If they're called to uh, action, you, you know, you see it. Yeah. And it's wonderful to see.
2: It is. So, Dave, what else has surprised you? Are you uh, uh, impressed with the response? Are, are there things that are concerning you? What else? Has anything surprised you?
3: Well, it uh, it doesn't surprise me that... The Cajun Navy guys brought their boats out here to rescue people, and now on the third, fourth, fifth day of this, they're hearing reports of people shooting at them and trying to steal their boats so they can go and get their own families out. I mean, the division surface, the stress is high, and you will have some knuckleheads misbehaving. And I hope people don't read those headlines and think that Houston is going to hell because Houston is now properly demonstrating traditional human morality showing the world that all those things are still in us. No matter how hard, the left may have tried over a 100 years or more to alter our morality. The Soviet Union saw it creating the new Soviet man, getting rid of the old morality. But the old morality is still there, and it rises to the top under the greatest stress you see the greatest examples of it. And Houston is blessing itself and each other here and blessing the world with the sight and sound of what they're doing here under all the stress and stress. I'm pleased to say I'm not in the flood myself. I'm luckily living in a dry zone, but I was trapped, and I did have to stay at home and not leave my subdivision for several days. And, you know, huh. the little bit of pressure that that makes you feel is nothing compared to what people are going through within three miles of my house. Wow. They asked for more powerful boats within three miles of my house. They said, please send more powerful boats. The people who have rough boats are getting swept away in the current, and we're having mm. to go rescue them. That's how bad it is boats they bring with motors on the back of them are not strong enough to stay in the water and go where they're supposed to go because the water's flowing so fast and of course it's going to be that way here for several more days minimum people are showing the best side of themselves humanity is is rising to the top and uh, i think god blesses us with difficulty to sharpen us and forge us and make us show our best selves and we're not going to forget this None of us involved in this are ever going to Mm. forget the heights of humanity that were shown and reached by ordinary people here this week. It is an amazing sight to see.
2: Well, we appreciate you, Dave Perkins.
3: Thank you, Angie. Thank you, (laughs) Good to talk to you.
2: Thanks, friends. Stay safe.
3: All right. Take care. Bye-bye.
2: All right, so uh, the next guest that's going to join us, uh, she specifically deals with grief in settings such as this. And she has responded to numerous, I was a little taken aback when I read to, you know, um, this morning her intro, and it had all of the different uh you know locations that she has responded to disaster wise over the years and uh one thing she said that I think you two as counselors again if you're just joining us Leslie and Doug Gustafson are here in studio with me and we're talking about the aftermath of Harvey what was hurricane Harvey and how bad things have gotten over the last few days and first of all when you guys talk to people who are in trauma I have like a an admiration for you cuz I think that It's almost like you open up any wound you have and sometimes if it's similar to something you've experienced and it's not always easy to help someone through something painful, especially if you've gotten to know them, Mm -hmm. it's pretty personal.
4: Mm-hmm. We, have a diag-
0: we have a diagnosis uh, trauma, of course, but we have now what we call vicarious trauma, where you're impacted by something that's happening not directly to you, but outside of you. And yeah, as counselors, we have to be careful to really be empathic with somebody, but have some way of, of not stepping so far into the trauma that we end up traumatized ourselves.
4: Mm-hmm. That's
0: part of how we learn to love and how we learn to have empathy. And we can't not get in there at some level mm-hmm. and be there with somebody and it's just part of the deal
6: yep
2: well and I, I as Veronica joins us now again Veronica cites I just uh, introduce you Veronica so for uh, people listening uh, tell us um, you know some of the things you've responded to and in that same vein explain how you're able to help people in the midst of these tragedies I know you responded after Katrina and that you were there to help people after which other events more
6: um, Oklahoma the West explosion um, yeah, I it, it, if, uh, if it's a FEMA involved, I'm usually there. Um, I also do, I don't want to say on a smaller scale, it's an important scale, but um, school, school shootings as well.
2: So, in terms of responding to events like that, like a school shooting or a tragedy like today. You know, how, how do you walk alongside someone and help them? And as Doug was saying, not get traumatized yourself, which, you know, that's the fear, I guess, that it's painful to help others. I really truly believe as a Christian that, you know, God's got to be in it somehow for me if I'm going to ever do anything like that.
6: Well, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because, I, uh, you know, on that, on that note, um, Peter was called out of his comfort zone into the storm. And we have to remember that, that Christ was already in the storm. So as, as providers and as assistants in a high-trauma incident is we give we share the keys that we know will work, and we give individuals the opportunity to make a choice for their health and wellness. So one of the major things that, that we share with them is, you know, it's not uncommon under the circumstances to feel all kinds of things that, A, you cannot express, B, maybe, um, Causing thoughts or leading to thoughts of, you know, what if people would think, if they knew what I thought, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, am I going crazy because I'm having these thoughts? No, 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 no. This is overwhelm. It's your body saying, I need some help. And everyone has a maximum feel. So we just, we normalize the stress of a traumatic situation so that they can appreciate the choices that they can make towards a healthier, new normal empowering them to recognize that mental health is their ability and that um, if it's I use the acronym fine if they say fine and they are faking ignoring neglecting or evading the truth they are doing a great disservice to themselves and more at risk of mental illnesses anxiety various conditions that people shy away from even speaking up and saying you know what I'm not sure if this is normal well, probably is under the circumstances, so we encourage them to receive, receive the help that's available and recognize that even though they may be at a shelter where it's calm and dry, we know that there is a storm underneath the surface. Nobody can see, but they can certainly feel and know that they're not okay just yet.
2: Well, you know, I certainly appreciate people like you who go into the eye of the storm, per se, and, uh, you know, help people who are um, hurting. And uh, I, I just knew this morning when I interviewed you on my news show, I had a feeling that you were a Christian, but that didn't come up. So um, I think that I was telling my friends here, uh, Leslie and Doug, that, you know, if I did something like that, I think I could only do it as a Christian because I just feel sometimes the pain overwhelming. And uh, dealing with pain brings up old pains of your own, I think, sometimes. And, you know, I have a brother that was murdered. And whenever I come into a situation Mm. where I'm relating to someone else in that circumstance or I start talking about it in a speaking-like setting, it's interesting how that old pain comes up, whereas it wouldn't in day-to-day life. So I guess that's my point point in why I admire you all, the three of you, for being able to walk alongside people in pain, because walking in that position can also be painful.
6: And, you know, Angie, I, I want to say you are doing a very good job because each time that you allow an opportunity, to platform of, of guest speakers to come on, it is a process of healing because God never waits a hurt. When we recognize the brokenness of other people, we can appreciate that He is near the brokenhearted, and mm. sometimes those broken pieces that He's still mending in us are the very places of hope He wants to. Shock for somebody that just isn't sure they see it in the dark situation that they might be in.
2: And I think, you know, everyone has a story, and that's part of what the good news is about is sharing those mm-hmm. testimonies. Mm-hmm. Can you also uh, tell us where we can find your book as well? I know you've got a really neat website. Where can you send us? We can find out more about you.
6: Um, my website is veronicasites.com. You can get there that way. You can get there, Conflict Resolution Speaker. Um, the books that I have are Rachel, Did You Know? It is a free resource and conflict resolution solutions with many more to come.
2: Well, Veronica, <laughs> a real blessing to get to talk to you twice today. Thank you so much for all you do for others. Appreciate it.
6: Thank you, question.
2: <laughs> so, Doug, I told um, your wife, I, I think, you know, I said, when well, you guys are older, that's what I think what you guys do as a team. <laughs> To go and, ha- I think that's a, you know, what I think re- that's
5: a calling. It is. We would yeah. love to actually go to other countries and help um, missionaries missionary marriages, mm-hmm. and, oh, with marriages. Yeah, and go it just be a support and encouragement and, you know, get a little traveling in too, but go in and help those people really on the front lines of trying to bring the, the good news to the world. Yeah. Because it can be very, very stressful on their marriages oh, and boy. keeping those alive right as well so that they can do the good work that they're set out to do so yeah. that's sort of a loose dream oh out i there. see to help yeah.
2: missionaries who are working in other
5: countries who yes. are under yes.
2: their marriages yes. are under stress yes. yes well that's an interesting mission or calling yeah it's mm-hmm. sort of
5: floating out there you know yeah god willing but what i wanted to back up with what she was saying first of all you could feel her calm presence
2: yeah wasn't like yeah
5: she's down there in it and you could tell she was mm-hmm. so centered and stable and okay and that she was able to come alongside people with that sort of presence of mind and yeah. and person. Yeah, you people, know.
2: You guys have certain gifts that allow you to, uh, you know, relate to others in a way that makes them comfortable with uh, their opening their feelings. And she said earlier that she tries to get like the endorphins, they're, they're sad, they're upset, they're stressed, and they get into a center and they can like for a moment get out of that fight or flight like survival mode and maybe relax a teeny bit. And then she said, you know, she says with the endorphins, you know, when was the last time you laughed? And she said that they, you know, haven't laughed, you know, they're in the midst of a tragedy or crisis. And she said, well, if you don't laugh, you get emotional. Constipated, and she said, Normally, that makes them laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we talk about that. And uh, it was just cute that she's yeah. been to so many tragedies, she's wow. almost comfortable bringing out oh, right. she, joy. She says, Don't that you're allowed to laugh still, yeah. you know, you're right. in the midst of this, but you can still find joy yeah. in the midst of it.
0: Interesting,
2: yeah, whoo, heavy duty, huh? Yeah. yeah stuff. All right. Uh, where can people find you, Leslie and Doug? You've got great stuff on your website.
5: Lots of free stuff to grow over, AuthenticAndTrue.com. Thank you. <laughs> Thank wow. you. Wow,
2: what a day. We're praying for you, uh, Texas, praying for you. Oh, and, we uh, are. Think about what you uh, might be able to do personally, even a text with a donation, but vet your charity. We'll be right back.
0: Good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver.
2: Hey, it's Angie. All right, a great, beautiful fall getaway. The elk, the colors, parties, kids' activities, and it's reasonably priced where... YMCA, the Rockies, uh, Snow Mountain Ranch, and also the Estes Park location. Uh, They've got some fall activities going on. There's going to be a Halloween party on October 28th if you want to plan ahead. It's reasonable some of my kids favorites there is the zip lining there is the craft shop they love the roller skating there is rock climbing uh, putt-putt uh, tennis uh, we spent our family reunion up there this summer and it was mind-blowingly fun and again it's reasonable that's where we go several times a year YMCA of the Rockies.org sometimes my kids even cry when we leave because they're like we're leaving our place I'm like it's our place still we'll be back we'll be back YMCA of the rockies.org. You won't regret it. It's great to see the elk this time of year. So cool.
7: Your next
8: shopping trip could change the lives of some very special people right here in Colorado. When you shop at ARC thrift stores, you'll not only save money, but you'll also give back to our community by helping people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, just like these ARC ambassadors.
9: A lot of people, they have misconceptions about people with disabilities. A lot of them think that we can't do things that other people can do, and that's just not true. We can do what other people can do. It may take us a little bit more time to do it, but we can. We're just like any other human human being we have feelings and we have emotions and if given the chance we can shine and i think that ark has done a very good job at showing that
8: i like it there and it helps me out to learn about reading off the labels and stuff I like helping out different people a lot of different people
1: i help out find the ark store near you at arkthrift.org
9: it's non nonprofit and it's a great company to work for and a great place to shop
1: and remember every saturday you
8: get 50 percent off most items in the store
2: Welcome back to The Good News. Well, The Good News isn't always pretty, but stories of hope and survival and healing, that's what you know the, the show is about. And I think some of the transformations that take place you know, uh, at the side of Jesus are really beautiful stories to share. Um, I often have friends with me here in the studio, and we pretty much call it The Good News, Angie Austin and Friends now, because I have so many of my Christian friends join me. Beatrice uh, Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life, is here. Donna Hetzler is here. And also Pam Randall, uh, Christian friends, authors, speakers, business. Business people and Andy Berger is joining us and Andy your story is one of hope and so why don't we start by you kind of give us a synopsis of who you are what you stand for I know you've written a book that you're shopping around right now and that you work with at with at-risk teens so uh, give us a little you know uh, kind of synopsis of of you of Andy
6: I would love to, Angie. Thank you. Well, God interceded in my life at a very early age. Uh, They wouldn't have called it trafficking back then, but basically from the time I was six months old to the time I was 17, uh, I was severely abused, violated by all immediate family members and extended family members. And at the age of five, I thought it would be best if I took my own life, because being six feet under would be better than continuing to live where I lived. And my birth mother made it very clear that my days were numbered anyway. But God met me where I was at, Angie, and He did not let that happen. And though it was a very rough road, ending at 17 when my birth mother tried again to kill me, uh, He He rescued me, and I promised Him I would do whatever He called me to do. Now it was, of course, many years later, and when I married my husband Ed, we both had a desire to help teens on the streets in our area in particular. Central Oregon's high desert spread out, and we noticed that there just wasn't really any place for these kids to go to. And we could feed them, but then what happens? And we could give them clothing, but then what happens? So we created Beulah's Place as a temporary shelter to give them the essential things they need. They have to commit to a contract that says they'll finish high school and get a job, And we help them through that transition from young adulthood into successful living in about a three- to four-month process.
4: Wow. And we
6: are so excited. Yes, we are excited that our kids, we have five in college, a dean student, they're all working, and they are amazing young people, Angie. If you met them, you would never know who slept in a tree or who was tossed out of a car or any of those things.
2: You know, it's amazing to me how, um, you know, people who come from broken backgrounds and one of the reasons I wanted Beatrice to be here uh, is because she had a really difficult childhood. I did too, probably differently than both of you, uh, but a lot of trauma around me and drug use around me and, uh, you know, a brother murdered and a lot of things that uh, I felt God protected me from. But then for me to be the mother I am today and have kids who are growing up with You know, no trauma, no cursing, no alcoholism, no drugs in the house, no thrown plates in the house, nobody punched in the house. Like, it's like a totally different world. And that's the thing that I think is so amazing, is that uh, Jesus can heal you to the point where your home can, can be the antithesis of the home that you were born in.
6: Absolutely, absolutely. And that's one of the things I try to do when I travel around the country speaking to hopefully create greater awareness of our, not just child trafficking issues, but the devastating cost to our country, to our country's future, as a result of the unchecked abuse and exploitation that goes on of our kids. And then they're going to replicate where they came from without intercession, or they're going to be lost, or we can do something, you know, like we do in the field, and go get these beautiful, peculiar treasures out of the pits, like apparently all of us have been in, and help them rise up to the future and the hope that God has promised.
2: You know, I love, um, as I'm reading, and I'll let the ladies join in if they have questions, that um, your background so different, it sounds like, from your husband, Ed's, because his mom, Beulah, I understand, is who you named the uh, the home after. And I love it that um, yes. it says here that if she had one potato, she fed the whole neighborhood. She taught Sunday school for, four, <laughs> for 43 years. And that she gave a love that you want these kids, these homeless teens, and these trafficked teens, that they deserve to feel that kind of love, too.
6: Absolutely. I didn't actually feel uh, the presence of a mother's love till I was in my 30s when I was at a chapel service. And the speaker was one of those who spoke right to my heart. And it was the beginning of a lot of healing in my life. And then I was actually adopted as an adult about 20 years ago, and that is who I call mom, my adoptive mom. And she said, you know, honey, in her little Texas draw, we don't have much money, but we have a lot of love, Hmm. and she loved me and just passed uh, last week, actually, into Heaven, and so um, it was amazing, because she wanted me to be able to bring my husband home to a family, Mm. and we do have different backgrounds, that he is the most amazing Mm. human I ever have met, and God, you know, allowed us to be together, to do these things together, and so, um, yes, knowing a mother's love is what we try. We try to be Jesus to these kids. We love without judgment first, then we figure out the need, and then we create a plan, And we're all adopted, Angie, so it makes sense, right?
2: Well, I love it that you, you know, try to love them like Jesus and that because you didn't experience that, you want these kids to experience that. I think of my friend Beatrice, um, and she said to me once, I wonder where I'd be now in life if I had a Beatrice to mentor me when I was a kid because she mentors kids now. You two would be two peas in a pot.
7: Yeah, we would. And, and Andy, Andy, first of all, I'd I'd like to say just thank you for your testimony. I mean, it's it's such a a heart-rendering testimony. But I just saw a picture of you. And, girl, I got to tell you, you don't look like what you've been through. No, she doesn't. Do not look like what you've been (laughs) through. And thank you so much for what you're doing. For these young people, because that's needed. And, you know, if not you, who? And so what you're doing is so critical. And and you talk about the the name of the place, Beulah. It's a a, a figuratively of heaven. Okay. But it also means married. Okay. And so you're married to Christ. And you want these children to know a relationship with God so that they can not only get through what they've been through, but to go even further. And I, I just applaud you for that, girl. God bless you.
6: Well, thank you, Beatrice. You too. We, we all have to do this together. It really does take all of us Amen. to make sure that even one who is lost has that opportunity. And many of our kids come to know the Lord, even though we're a public charity uh, all the volunteers are faith-based. Nobody gets paid. We're here because we have the passion of God oh. in our life, and we want to make sure, if there's any chance, like you just said, that these kids get to know that somehow.
2: Amen. I want to take one step back. So um, obviously your you know, childhood was ho- was horrible and painful, uh, the sex abuse, and, you know, family not looking out for you and kind of passing you around uh, to the family. How did you get out? And you said God wouldn't let it happen, that even by the age of five, you would have rather been dead than continue to be abused the way you're being abused. How did um, you find Christ? How did you find
4: hope?
6: Well, that's a great, great story, I have to tell you, Uh, because Somehow we were taking to church on occasion because my birth mother did go to church on occasion, which is also another confusing part of childhood, and a lot of our kids are confused about church and God because many of them have been hurt. But on one particular Sunday, I was very, very small for my age, I was probably four or five, and the last time I remember going as a child, I saw this beautiful vision of this woman in the courtyard speaking to a gentleman who was taller. She had gorgeous blonde hair and big blue eyes, and she was just lit up and glowing. And I remember hearing her say that Jesus loved all the children, all his children, and that's why she was so happy. And in my little pea brain as a child, I was like, I want to be happy, I want to be loved like she's being loved, because she was just so beautiful, like an angel. And really, when I looked up into the big sky, when I sat on the curb before I, I was trying to, you know, run out in front of a car to end my life, I looked up at the sky and somehow, and God reached my heart, and He said, this isn't the way, hmm. but I will take care of you. And so I made that promise as a five-year-old, not really knowing how much pain would be ahead but I always trusted that there was a bigger God out there that was bigger than everything happening to me. So I decided if I lived, I won, and if I died, then they won. So it's kind of primal in a way.
2: Yeah, but at that age, simplistic and, you know, black and white. You know, die or stay alive, Um, you win, they win, and then obviously you and Jesus won, and you went on to help other kids who were uh, feeling the same desperation you felt. And then at what age did you leave, and did you have siblings who were also abused with you, and where are they if you did?
6: Yes, I am not sure where my birth brother is at this moment. Um, He had a different perspective of God. He left the home to go to college and basically didn't come back. Uh, left me, which I understand now. At the time, I didn't. And he has a punishing view of God, because my birth mother would always hold up a black Bible and use that as her authority to do the things she did to us. And so he he got a different view, and after uh, quite a few years, he just never communicated with me. So I'm not really sure where he is, but I left... I left the home at 19, and I know people might say, well, why'd you stay there so long? Well, when you're 18, you may be a legal adult, but mentally and emotionally, you can still be controlled by the things that have happened to you, and so I didn't have the means to go anywhere, so it took me until I was 19, and then I left and tried to have a relationship as an adult with my perpetrators, basically, my birth parents, but it never really worked out. So at that point, I just had to give it up to the Lord, and I forgave them, which was a process. Actually, he forgave them through me. I wouldn't have done it on my own, to be honest. Yeah. But he did. And it freed me up to go and be who he wanted me to be, and I threw myself into education and into careers. And that's how I got my affirmation in the world.
2: And then how did you learn to be a loving mother yourself? So you leave at 19— try to have a relationship with them. And that's a hard thing for some people to uh, understand. You know, honoring your mother and father doesn't necessi- does not does not say honor your mother and father and let them continue to abuse you. Mm-hmm. Honoring them can be forgiving them and moving on with your life. You don't have to have a relationship with people uh, that hurt you. Exactly. Uh, and a lot of people exactly. are, well, oh, your mom, is your dad. No, 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 no. Uh, honor them and forgive them and, and you can, you're allowed to move on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm just curious how you then were able to learn and show love to your own children and to these girls that you help, these teenagers you help.
6: I believe that I was a work in progress on that, and as the Lord began to heal the layers in my early 30s, I made a poor choice in marriage uh, when I was 28, married somebody that looked safe and sound on the outside, but on the inside was not, and after a divorce, And having come just with God and myself, I learned who He was experientially, not just in my head, like a blind childlike trust, but as provider, comforter, friend. And in that, I finally felt His love. I Hmm. finally felt what real love was. And when I felt that, it changed my perspective. I didn't have to be the best, the fastest, you know, whatever it was I was pursuing. I was so driven, and suddenly... I felt something I had never known in my heart, and I went and I saw all of the brokenness in this world, and I thought, I have got to do something besides write a check or, you know, donate time, because I didn't have a lot, and so I think through that, I started helping kids uh, that were, who had parents in halfway houses. I started helping teenagers, Because somebody said, hey, can you pray with this kid, or could you take them out and, you know, have some pizza? And it was a gradual progression. And I think by the time I married my husband 17 years ago, he also had that vision and a dream. And together, the Lord partnered us up so that we could do something. But it took a traumatic brain injury in 2008 for us to get it going, because I suddenly could not work I didn't have any memory for a year, and in my heart, though, I wanted to do something. And so the Lord just used that time to say, step out in faith, Andy, step out, and I will take care of the rest, and that's really to help This Place got started.
2: Wow. All right, um, Donna's jumping in here. Uh, she's an author and speaker, uh, and <laughs> she would like to ask you a question. Again, um, the sure. book right now that uh, Andy's just written, uh, if you're just joining us— uh, uh, Andy Burger is talking about uh, surviving her, basically, they didn't call it then, uh, sex trafficking then, but uh, what it was uh, she experienced as a child. And uh, they have a nonprofit where they help uh, at-risk teens, Beulah's Place. And the book that she's just written is called A Fragile Thread of Hope that she's shopping right now to um, have published. And uh, Donna, jump
9: in. Yeah, Andy, I've got a question for you. So I run a uh, sure. growing network of women called the Jericho Girls. And we meet to break down walls. And some of the things when we get into intimate conversations we get into this childhood stuff and we find out you know that many of us have been abused in one way or another and last year at our conference overwhelmed uh, there was a typical woman just like the rest of us that was sitting in the crowds that I later found out that she was held in a cage and uh, trafficked and so i'm just wondering in your opinion for those of us you know who are trying to reach out to women who are trying to help in these situations is there something particular we can look for any signs that we might see that you know could help us to reach out and help somebody in that situation
6: that is a, a great question, because that happens even when I, I speak around the country. Sometimes I'll have someone. I literally had a lady who was 75 years old. She had never told anyone she mm-hmm. had been violated in a church at the age of five, and yet she had great grandkids, you know, and she didn't know what to do. We don't look like abused people most of the time. You can't just pick somebody out. But when when there is someone like that, I really rely on the wisdom of, of Christ in my heart to know what to do. The first thing is always love them, hug them if they're willing to let you, uh, but just let them know that you're there to listen and to be compassionate, and then have some resources, whether uh, you have counselors available or you're available to talk to someone and let them vent a little bit, or you can point them in the direction of a phone number or someplace at church or another organization that could really help them. But what I find most important is to create a platform of trust first and foremost yes. because I wouldn't have let anyone near me. I would have been surface with them, but I wouldn't have let anybody into my intimate side mm-hmm. unless I could really trust them. And the Lord really had to heal that in me to do that.
2: You know, I if think that makes sense. I think yes. that um, I so admire your ability to forgive, and when you said, um, you know, the, the Lord gave you that forgiveness. He forgave them through you or for you, but you couldn't have done it on your own. And I just have seen so many instances where people aren't able to find that forgiveness, and it it's, it ruins your life. And you're able to be such um, an effective person. Um, uh, ambassador for christ if you're healed and in the case of these young people that have been violated and abused and hurt and haven't felt the love when they come to beulah's place uh, because you uh, were able to experience that forgiveness your heart is able to love them the way they may have never experienced love and I, I find that so beautiful um, you know I never cease to be amazed at the life stories and the testimonies of uh, Christ changing healing helping hoping and you're the type of person that these kids will believe in and trust because you've been in their shoes again uh, the uh, organization Beulah's Place. It's in Oregon. We have a beautiful affiliate in Portland. Lo- we love Oregon. The book, A Fragile Thread of Hope, that'll hopefully be out soon. You want to send us to a website?
6: Yes, it's
2: www.beulahsplace.org. Yeah. Thank you. God bless you, Andy. I want to have you back, and we'll talk about some of your success stories coming out of Beulah's Place, okay?
6: That would be awesome, Angie. Thank you so much. God bless you, ladies.
2: We'll be right back. Thanks, ladies. Hi, it's Angie with the good news. I want to tell you about a little boy, Carson. He's eight years old, and his mom died of breast cancer. And I would love it if you would sponsor him for some art classes. Also, he doesn't like talking about his feelings after losing his mom. So he's taking dance and movement classes, and that therapy costs about $100. And so if you would like to sponsor eight-year-old Carson, who lost his mom to breast cancer, to these classes that he really enjoys, the Doreen Katz Memorial Cancer Foundation would love to help. 720-530-9503. 482, or go to DoreenKatzMemorial.org.
9: For over 120 years, the Denver Rescue Mission has been providing services to those in need and the homeless in the metro area. It is the oldest full-service Christian charity in the Rocky Mountain region. Since its conception in 1892, it has expanded to helping the homeless and hungry to provide services for men and single mothers, offering programs such as rehabilitation for those suffering from addiction and abuse, education and career centers, family services, and life restoration. The Denver Rescue Mission is always in need of your assistance. You can help this growing organization by donating clothing, food, furniture, and more at any of the drop-off locations. For more information on their services, ways you can help, and to donate online, go to denverrescumiission.org. Mission.org. Changing lives in the name of Christ. Dorothy. Welcome, welcome,
2: welcome. Angie Austin here. Hello, friend. I've got my friends from ARC here. Dominic Rivera is here, and he works for the ambassadors, two of them with us, Ben and Adam. Welcome, gentlemen.
4: Greetings. Thank you. Hello.
2: Ben, how long have you worked for ARC as an ambassador? Uh, Five years. Five years. Now, you love it, don't you? Yes. Excellent. All right, excellent. All right, so give me a little bit of info um, about the gala coming up, Dominic.
8: Our big annual gala is going to be September 9th in the Denver Tech Center at the Hyatt Regency. Start time is 5.30 to so Saturday.
2: All right, and at the gala, what, what you know, there's dancing, there's food, the money goes back into ARC. Uh, anything interesting uh, happening this year, a theme you want to tell us about, or anything neat we might experience? General, I like it. Um, uh, there's been fashion shows where the ambassadors have modeled with you, whether it be police officers, as you did, Adam. Or, that was fun, huh?
0: Yeah, they asked me to do it again.
2: Oh, you're doing it again? What's yes. the theme?
8: Uh, it's celebration of the human spirit
2: celebration of the human spirit. I like that. Me
8: too. Um, This year we're recognizing three of our ambassadors who will receive a Hero of the Year award. Um, Catherine, Tara, and Heather. I think Heather's been a guest on your show before.
2: Yes, she has. Yeah, she's spunky. She's got a great personality, doesn't she? Mm -hmm. I really like her.
8: And they were just recognized at at a Rockies game this past week.
2: Wonderful.
8: Which is really cool.
2: Now, Ben, you're making a move, but you're not leaving ARC. Where are you going?
4: To um, Colorado Springs.
2: And what are you going to do there?
4: Transfer to the ARC down there.
2: And will you still have a similar type position, you think?
8: I think they're going to have him doing stuff in the front end of the store, uh, showing oh, jewelry cases and uh, helping really? the front end manager.
2: Wow. <laughs> That's a promotion then. A little bit. I think yep. so. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm happy for you. And Adam, you've been promoted quite a bit with ARC over the years.
0: Promoted once to from customer service in at Park Landing to loss Prevention.
2: Yeah, well, that's a pretty good promotion, Mm -hmm. So you love security work. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Um, Now, we talk a lot about it being shopping with a purpose, and people with um, developmental and intellectual disabilities being given an opportunity uh, to be part of the company, to have a job, to bring home a paycheck, to make a difference, and uh, the ambassadors bring such a light, such a a positive vibe to ARC which you can attest to, Dominic, because you work with them. And here you've gone from just a couple of ambassadors in the last decade. You're up to over 300 now. And so when you shop at ARC, you're helping employ people uh, to, you know, really have a fulfilling life. Um, one of your ambassadors recently became ill and passed away, and uh, he had a really tough childhood. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he was in here interviewing with me, talking about how he was teased when he was younger because he was different. Yes. And that... Um, While working at ARC, he'd really come out of his shell and made tons of friends. And I thought, wow, without ARC, he wouldn't have led the life he led. I mean, he Mm -hmm. really did find love and acceptance and a paycheck and fulfillment working with you guys. And it was very clear to me when he told me stories about his younger years, how painful it was, and how happy he was after he, you know, joined you guys. I mean, you guys really made a difference in his life.
8: Yeah, he found um, an environment where we all accepted him and and celebrated his abilities instead of looking at it as a negative so
2: and i think he started to celebrate like he 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 began to celebrate his abilities mm-hmm. he, had a, he had a great sense of humor he
8: did yeah Rob, robbie he robbie. Um, he would call me he missed a, f- a few of our classes for arc university and he would call me and say how can i make those up Aww. so I, I i eventually took him um on just uh, just him and me and we went to a we made up the class for him just oh to,
2: that's awesome good for you that really i'm sure that made him so happy, made and me he, happy too. he got a special honor i know we loved him didn't we yeah he, he really touched my heart yeah he uh, was been
8: been worked with him he we was wonderful wasn't
0: him, really.
4: he yeah
2: and what a great life he had with us he's,
0: he's the happiest person i can think of right now because he's he's in heaven and he's rejoicing with the angels
2: he is Oh, you guys are the best. Why are you making me cry like this? (laughs) I love ARC. I love what you do. I love when the truck comes to my house. The guys are always kind. They carry the things from my driveway into the truck. You get a receipt. I get a tax write-off, and and then the money goes back uh, into the community and helps the ambassadors. And I just think you guys are such a blessing uh, to our community. So thank you, guys. Thank you. ARC website? ARCthrift.com. Excellent. And Tuesdays, senior days, uh, most uh, items half off. 55 or older, and Saturdays most items half off as well.
0: Thanks for listening to the good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast, The Past Shows, at AngieAustinRadio.com.
1: Lucky Land Casino
0: asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky?